hey, everybody, it's Todd Cohen here for another Toddcast. Isn't that a great, I, 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 it's the only good thing I could ever think of that came from having my name Todd. You know, I mean, I've been called everything in the book, but when they came out with podcasts, Annie, all those years ago, I was like, this is great. <laughs> Finally, something with my name and I got it trademarked and everything. So it's awesome. Everybody, welcome to another Toddcast celebrating Women's History Month. And I'm doing a limited series because there just aren't enough days in the month to talk to all the amazing women that have I have worked with, that have I have crossed paths with, that I've been inspired by, motivated by, and a few who have hired me along the way, which <laughs> makes them infinitely smarter than uh, most people out there. And one of those amazing ladies is Annie Yoder. Annie, you're right there. Say hi to everybody. Hello, uh, Annie Yoder, CPA, CFE, CFF, right? Annie, do I have all that right? You do. Okay. You'll have to explain to us what all those designations mean. I'm not, not 100% certain. Uh, and the new president of advisory and consulting services, I hope I got that right, with, yep. Ray, and, with Ray and Associates. Um, I wouldn't even call you a small uh, firm. I would call you a growing regional uh, Midwest firm. I don't even want to, that to me is who you are. Do I have that right? <laughs> uh, you do. I, I will. Put a little asterisk by Midwest because we have clients, I believe, now in uh, 40 to 48 states in Woo! the country. <laughs> well, I don't know if you've I, I don't know if you've made it to Philly yet, but I've yet to see a Ray and Associates banner driving down 95. Yeah, not, not quite. But, uh, hey, Annie, thanks for being with me today. Um, as I said, you know, I'm I'm interviewing uh, just for a few minutes a number of the absolutely amazing uh, women that I've that I've encountered along the way. And you are one of my favorites. And uh, of course, I have to say that everybody I've had on are one of my favorites. You are inspiring, <laughs> you're motivational, and you have a story to tell. So let me start with, give us just a just whatever background you want to give us, but I got a million okay. questions for you. So okay. tell us a little bit about who you are. So um, uh, accounting, is how I got, I, it's been more of a means to an end. So let me start Start there is um, went into accounting because of a friend, which I think is a similar story to many people. Mm -hmm. They kind of follow the leader. And ultimately my heart really is in development, but not just in the development of people, organizational development. And so I've been blessed to be inside an organization that I am in my fourth career inside the same organization. So um, grew up on the audit side of a public accounting firm, ultimately uh, went into our litigation support department. So certified fraud examiner, CFE, certified in financial forensics is CFF, but ultimately left practice to move into a leadership role inside the organization to help the development of the firm. I am a wife and a mother and a mother of two amazing boys. They're eight and six and boy, do they have us driving all over God's creation for basketball, <laughs> basketball golf, you name, you name the sport, we're playing it. So that's, that's what we do in our spare time. So let me, so let me jump right into that as, uh, and, and, you know, I, you, I've been fortunate to see a picture of your boys. Not only are they future movie stars, <laughs> you know, without a doubt going to be supporting you in the way that you've uh, become accustomed to. Um, so as a working mother, I think, you know, all working mothers would say, they have a different set of challenges, right? And this is something that has been, been talked about for a million years. And I think that while society has become more aware of it, 
right? More tolerant, you know, more sensitive, more, um, more accommodating, if you will. Where are we right now in the world in terms of being a working mother, a high performing leader as you are, and with two rambunctious growing, <laughs> be everywhere every minute of the day, uh, children? Wow, Todd, that's such a big question. I know. So, I didn't I didn't think it was gonna be easy, Annie. Yeah, yeah. So let me just give you my my perspective. Please. So I, I am incredibly blessed that I am surrounded by a phenomenal support group. So you know, my story is is that I have a partner that contributes just as much and some quite frankly days more than I do from a family perspective. And I have learned to let go. I've learned to say the, you know, the dirty dishes in the sink are okay tonight because I'm going to spend more time with my boys. Um, I am close to my family mm-hmm. who are seven minutes to 35 minutes away from me. And so they're picking up, they're picking up the kids on days that I can't. And so I've just become okay with not being everything all the time. There are days when the career, my career takes precedence and there, there's days when my family um, they always come first. I don't want to, I don't want to misspeak in that respect because they always come first, but there are days when I have to be at work later and my husband picks up the slack and that's okay. Um, I, th- I think I've seen tremendous growth, at least in our organization from a standpoint of, uh, not making up stories and not assuming. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would drive home as a, as a woman, as a, someone that's career oriented and that has a family is, as male, female, uh, any type of manager, it doesn't matter who you are as a manager, don't assume. Don't assume that that, that mother doesn't want to be at work. Mm. They just might have something going on mm. that they need to focus on. So ask the questions and don't assume. So I think, I think we're, we're headed in the right direction, but certainly have lots of work to do. So here's a question for you. You, um, you know, and I know you, you know, we've worked together and I know you, Uh, As somebody, as you articulated, you're about leadership and people development and culture. And I think that's why you and I get along so well, because, you know, we talk the same passion, right? And, you know, at your organization, I see as many women uh, rising up through the, through the ranks as I do men. And what I, what I want to ask you is, as a, as a very successful woman, what advice do you give to the other younger, newer women coming into the world of the practice, you know, and what do you tell them about, well, what do you tell them? What's the advice you give them? I'm sure we could talk for years on this point. Uh (laughs) Well, well, let me add like, so we're, I, we're about 51%, I believe female up to the manager level. And then we see a significant decline at the partner level in the firm, Mm -hmm. which is a concern as the organization. And we are, certainly diving in more in our next gen class, which you were involved in, which is our Mm -hmm. leadership program, did a beautiful job of looking at the data and diving into that. Mm -hmm. So we certainly have um, much to do, but my advice as it relates to that is two two parts, is advocate for yourself and make sure that you are finding advocates for you inside of the organization. And I, I was, again, lucky and blessed to have advocates inside the organization, but don't, don't put your head down and think that your hard work is going to get you there. You have to advocate both for yourself and work to find advocates inside the organization. 
or in my words, you have to sell yourself every day. Yes, I mean, yeah, every, yeah, I mean, that's what you have to do, correct? I mean, that that virtual team that you've heard me talk about. Right. Um, so, right. so Annie, what do you do when uh, a young lady comes to you or, or any female member of the organization comes to you and says, this isn't going well. Uh, what's your secret sauce? Why isn't it going well for me? You know, I'm struggling. Maybe this isn't for me. And, I, and by the way, I, I know men have these crises of confidence as well. I mean, I have, you know, throughout my entire career had moments of, my God, what am I doing with myself here? Yeah. Right. But what do you do in particular? Because you're absolutely a role model in that organization. I mean, I mean, you're you're a stellar example of being able to balance everything and make it happen. What do you tell the the, the younger folk or any uh, of the females uh, in your organization who are having that crisis of confidence? Yeah, some days it might look like I'm balancing it well, but I can tell you behind the scenes, just like social media makes it look like it's all going well. There's days where I can tell you it's not, it's yeah. not going well, but but I, I can fight through, I can fight through that. So um, it, again, very good question, Todd. I can certainly, and I usually tell them, I can tell you my story, but my story is not yours. Mm -hmm. So certainly digest and take what you, what nugget that might work for you. But I tend to just ask a lot of questions, mm -hmm. asking a lot of questions to try to pull out from them and, and, and try to drive towards what might be causing this reflection for them in that given point. Right. Is it something going on family-wise? Is it something going on work-wise? Mm -hmm. Trying to get them to take a step back and again, reflect on their own and just quite frankly, asking a lot of questions, just like you do in sales, right? Yep. Is asking them a lot of a lot of questions and um, and again, trying to give them resources, whether it be, hey, check out this book, check out this podcast. Here's a mentor that I've had success with. And, and encourage them, quite frankly, to have mentors first and foremost. Mm -hmm. So it's not that I'm, I'm giving them guidance, like do these three things, asking a lot of questions and asking them to reflect mm -hmm. and, and uh, certainly always open to further conversations about it. So you have to play therapist at times for everybody. I mean, I mean, I mean the higher you go in the organization, uh, the more likely you are to encounter somebody who says, Annie, I, listen, uh, I'm struggling. I need 20 minutes or I need 10 minutes. And I, again, I know you, I'm a fan. I know that you make time for people. All right. Let me switch gears here for a second, Andy, and ask you a question, uh, which comes up frequently when I'm working with primarily female audiences, um, female business owners, female entrepreneurs, uh, you name it. Right. And one of the common themes I hear a lot, and frankly, I've heard it more during COVID and mm -hmm. ever before, which is the topic is about the imposter syndrome. Yep. I hear so many women and women that I look at and go, you, it, it, it shocks me, right? You know, we don't know what's going on inside, right? I mean, people who just seem confident and on their game and they know what they're doing technically and they can crunch the numbers, whatever it might be. I'm, yeah. say, I'm saying crunch the numbers metaphorically, <laughs> metaphorically and literally. What are your thoughts about helping people through the imposter syndrome? Do you know what's an interesting, I don't, I'm going to get these statistics wrong, but if, if um, a female and a male are looking at a job posting, um, 
statistically males, if they are, I think it's 80%. And again, I might not have that number plus or minus a certain percentage. If they see they're 80% qualified, they'll apply. Mm -hmm. Females tend to say, I have to be a hundred percent. I have to check every single box before I qualify, right? The connection to the the imposter syndrome. I'm not enough, or I'm not all of these things mm-hmm. before I can apply. That's even before they get in the door to the right. position, right? So you've, so you've already shot yourself in the foot. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I certainly have experienced imposter syndrome myself. I am, I'm, I stand in rooms with people that are way smarter than me, like way smarter than me. And there are times when I'm like, holy cow, I can't believe I'm standing in front of this room. But I have to remember that every experience prior to this has led me to that point. And a phenomenal book that my executive coach led me to called Positive Intelligence. And going back to, quite frankly, the science for me has helped me say, you know, my brain is telling me things that are quite frankly not true. Mm -hmm. And there are saboteurs in my head telling me, that um, I'm not good enough. I'm, you know, I'm all of these things when in reality, it's just my brain filling the void. Mm-hmm. And when I took a step back, that's helped me tremendously. Uh-huh. And so I think there's all sorts of tips and tricks. It doesn't mean it's going to go away. It doesn't mean you're not going to have fleeting moments of feeling that. It's just, do you have mechanisms to identify it and then mechanisms to respond to it? I think yeah. That's, that's something that's powerful that if we can, if more women can learn that those, those steps. So that book was called positive intelligence. And I, I I'm, I'm actually going to get that myself. I do some coaching and yeah. uh, this is something that I've been, you know, I've been, I've been seeing. So are you seeing this more uh, as a result? Are you seeing, a, are you seeing more imposter syndrome during COVID? I don't know that COVID has caused it. Although I think the separation has made us all insecure, has made us all have to work harder, right? Just to keep yeah. whatever base level connections we've had, we can't get, there's no guarantee there that they're going to be there anymore. So do you see it more now in the last two years? You know, I don't know that I can specifically say that I've seen it more, but I've seen the loss of connectivity, mm-hmm. which, you know, we were talking a little bit about prior to the kickoff of the podcast, right. is that I think that loss of connectivity and that human connection mm-hmm. has um, potentially caused more imposter syndrome or just mm-hmm. quite frankly, confidence in general, yeah. Yeah. because people are not connected to each other as much. And uh, I am, I am, I don't know anything about physics, but I am convinced mm-hmm. there's, there's energy even passing between us now, right? Because we are connected to one another. Mm-hmm. We've lost, and we've lost some of that via video and just not physically being together with one another. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. You know how I feel about live events. I mean, when I do the session for, uh, you know, your organization every year, I'm ecstatic that we're back, <laughs> that we're back in a room together. And I think, yeah. you know, different firms are still struggling with this and, and, What's interesting to me, Annie, is that the people in my workshops are saying, we don't want to do this like this anymore. Like, we want to be back <laughs> yeah. in a room, right? right. We want to be back in a room. And, uh, you know, it's a real challenge, I think, for everybody. And um, but I'm, I'm hopeful and maybe I'm just Pollyanna, but I'm hopeful <laughs> that that cooler heads and sanity will return and say at the end of the day, I still believe that you have to be connected live, eye to eye, to, right. build, the, the, to build that kind of relationship, which br- actually brings me to my next question. 
Is it harder for women to build durable relationships business-wise than men, in your opinion? Well, so we all are attracted to people and, um, and when I, when I say that, I mean, we're all tend to connect easier with people that are like us, mm-hmm. right? I think that's, that's fair, fair to say. And, um, in the general business world and public accounting, it still is very male dominated. Mm-hmm. It's in professional services in general. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes there are obstacles. There's maybe one or two more barriers to entry with building those relationships for women. And so finding ways to connect, uh, I'll give you an example. I had a client who I didn't know anything about, and he was sitting at his desk and I saw the, oh, the Ohio State University sign on his wall. Well, I can, I can talk about Ohio State long enough that we made a very <laughs> quick connection. And I know that seems a little silly, but if you, male or female, can find way, easy ways to connect on a personal level very quickly, I think those, those barriers can drop Mm-hmm. And um, that's the starting point for building those lasting, those lasting relationships and building trust. Yeah. Right? I think that's incredibly important is that you build that rapport and that trust very early. So, so continuing that theme, this is very, very important because when I hear you talk about this, I sort of, you know, I, I, I think about Brene Brown and her works about vulnerability and presence and, you know, I, I, as you know, I talk a lot about presence as it relates to it being a sales tool. Yeah. And, and when I talk about presence, I talk about vulnerability. And there's definitely a different reaction, right, in the room when women say, well, if we're vulnerable, it sends one kind of a message. Wow. And, a man, and a man says, oh, my God, I can't be vulnerable, right? That's not what men do, which, by the way, is absolute, you know, BS. And <laughs> I mean, and, and by the same token, do you have any thoughts? And I know, I know I didn't. And by the way, I want everybody to know, I did not prepare Annie with these questions because I don't have to. <laughs> she can think on her feet. And this is not somebody who, as you can already tell, is a shrinking violet. She is, <laughs> she's been working on this stuff for a long time. So, so Annie, talk to me about vulnerability. Talk about women being vulnerable how do you be vulnerable and not send the message? Well, I should say the wrong message. Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah, where, where are you on all that? Because that's could probably be a book itself. It, well, it, it could it be. Is. I'm sure it is. Yeah. Yeah. You start going through all these adjectives, vulnerability, authenticity. Um, I mean, again, we could rattle off all the 500 things leaders are supposed to be, right? <laughs> And and it's this constant balance, but vulnerability is certainly part of it. What I found interesting is I think, I think the pandemic actually did cause um, leaders, at least in our organization to be more vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And the reason was, is because there was lots of, I don't know, Mm -hmm. I don't know what's next. And that is vulnerability is, is being able to say, I don't know. And um, I, (laughs) my boss, who was my boss for 18 years, I can distinctly remember standing in a cubicle probably 15 years ago. And um, I was getting very emotional. And he told me that he looked at me and said, you're, you're, you're so emotional. Whew. That like, yeah, lit a fire in me. And I, I bowed in my fist. On, I bowed in my fist on the desk. And I said, I'm not emotional. I'm passionate. <laughs> now, now, re, now reflecting, 15 years later, I was emotional. 
But I didn't know that in that moment. And I share that because emotion is okay in the workplace. But I think just like everything, there's a time and a place, right? There's, you have to feel psychologically safe Mm -hmm. in your environment to Mm -hmm. be vulnerable. Yep. And so it, depending on the room you're sitting in, male or female, it doesn't matter. You have to, you have to feel safe Mm -hmm. in that environment to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. But I think, um, again, I think the pandemic has caused it to be a little more okay Mm -hmm. to be vulnerable. And I think as leaders, we need to be willing to say, I don't know at the same, at the same time, being able to say, we're going to, we're going to work this out and I am going to find the way, right. I'm going to work on this with you. So I had somebody say to me, thank you. I had somebody say to me recently, you know, Todd, I, 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 I feel like the opposite of being vulnerable is I have to be extra hard and difficult. And then everybody, <laughs> and then everybody says, well, she's a, you can fill in the blank. I'm not even, yeah, you, yeah. you know, you know, and I'm, and I'm, 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 I think it's so fascinating and sad and challenging <laughs> that yeah. I think as a, as a professional woman, it's much harder to find that, that, that fine line. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. would you agree with that? Um, you know, I've had cases of both, but I think I'll, ju- I'll just, again, share that. I think everything we do and even as leaders, it's, it's a paradox. Mm-hmm. It's this idea that two things that seem mutually exclusive from another can coexist at the same place at the same time. I can, I can be, um, decisive and I can say how I feel, but at the same time, I can turn in the, in the same room in a different topic and share and share that I, I might not know the answer. Mm-hmm. And so I can't say that I've personally ex- experienced that, but I think it's just this constant, constant teeter totter of yeah. um, figuring out in the moment in the city, you have to have situational awareness, like what's happening in that particular situation and how do I need to respond? I think that's the answer. I think, well, okay. There is no a answer. I mean, this, this topic is, is far too complex. And I do think that's a critical answer. It's like situational awareness, right? I mean, you know, you standing in that cube 15 years ago, talking (laughs) to your boss, you know, what was going on around you versus, you know, right. would you, would you have done the same thing in an auditorium of a thousand people or right. one-to-one in somebody's office? I mean, that's a very, very good point that really I hadn't thought of. It's, it, and I talk about situational awareness as part of being present, right? You know, mm-hmm. so, so you really, really have to be present, which I, which I completely, I, I totally get that. All right. Let me ask you this question. You, as you said, you are the mother of uh, two young, growing, robust, rambunctious, healthy, uh, vibrant young men. Yes. What advice, not what advice is your husband giving? What advice are (laughs) you giving them about who to be in the world? Yep. Um, Everyone's probably seen the poster of be kind, work hard, right? So we talk a a lot about being kind and working hard, but we actually, (laughs) it's going to sound probably, corny to those who are listening, but we're actually uh, going through a workbook about growth mindset. Oh, they're eight. And, I know they're eight and six, but it's for kids specifically. Cause I keep thinking, man, if I would have learned some of the, the concept of having a growth mindset and not a fixed mindset earlier in life, how powerful it could have been. Now my life has worked out perfectly, perfectly. Okay. 
but uh, we're giving them lots of advice and uh, about having a growth mindset and being inclusive and open and just knowing that um, they have control of them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that, 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 you know, having that internal locus of control versus external. So. Yeah. If, if, you, if you had daughters, would you be doing the same exercise and what advice, what advice would you be giving to young? And I'm sure you, you have plenty of friends, yeah. colleagues yeah. who have young, young daughters, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you must. So yeah. what advice would you give to young, to younger ladies, young girls coming up today? Uh, your voice matters. What you have to say matters. And I would say that okay. to, to my boys, but to, to young girls, especially, um, please don't shrink back in your chair. It's, it's, it's okay. Even if those butterflies, you know, are getting you, uh, speak up because really what you have, what you have to say does matter. That is, I think, sums it up perfectly, Annie, right? You have a voice. And I think that kind of gets to back to imposter syndrome. I think that gets back to confidence. I mean, that, that puts a nice bow on everything, right? I mean, you know, this, this whole issue of imposter syndrome, you know, the, the analogy I use is uh, as a professional speaker, I'm taught, we're taught, you know, you're the expert until you give away your microphone. In other words, you know, don't create, don't, you know, you're up there on stage. So by default, you're looked upon as the expert. Don't do anything that's going to create questions in somebody's mind about your legitimacy, right? Yeah. Don't, don't yeah. make it harder on yourself. What can, what can women do today? to create the image of legitimacy um, and and knock down some of these incredibly unfair silos, right? That still exist out there in the world. You know, what can we do? Yeah, Uh, connect, 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 connect. Um, (laughs) It's just build build your network, build your network. And uh, you will find as you reach out and you ask to connect with whomever it is, right? And ask them the question, who else? Who else should I be talking to? What else should I be reading? Mm-hmm. And your network starts to grow. And when that happens, what you find is the three to five to seven people that become kind of the core of that group. It's like your own little board in mm-hmm. some respects, your mentors, et cetera. It just, the barriers that can break down is just unbelievable. And it can be really scary when you start. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. want, I don't want to sugarcoat it. It nope. can be really scary when you make that first phone call. And quite frankly, I got hung up on practically like <laughs> when I started to try to do that when I was a lot younger, Yeah, yeah. And, um, just, just keep trying and use the resources you have and who you know and feel safe with first. Right. Right. I think that's great. I, I mean, you know, I think at the end of the day, uh, there's, there's not a lot of rocket science to this, right? Yeah, I mean, it's right. Not, you know, everybody's written books that s- attempt to take this to a new ethereal level. And, yeah. you know, I'm an old school guy. You want to, you want to be better. You want to build more confidence, get out there and build your network and have people who have your back to your point, your advocates. I mean, right. you know, I, I was a single guy for a very, very, very long time. And my world revolved around my friends, my advocates, the people that I hung out with and, and uh, they were, you know, they spanned both professional and personal. Okay. Here's another question for you. Can you be friends, genuine friends with people at work and still compete with them at work? 
What a great question. I know, um, I'm sorry. I, I know, I dumped that one on you, Annie. I, <laughs> <laughs> um, compete with them. Uh, you're going to have I think the answer is yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think the answer is yes. Now, I'm, I think being cutthroat or trying to undermine, that's not being a friend. No. Right. Being transparent, no. being transparent and uh, forthcoming and still supporting during that, I, I think absolutely you can. Yep. Um, wow. What an interesting question. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it just sort of popped into my mind, yeah. uh, you know, as, as, as I'm throwing questions at you, I, I haven't written down questions. I, I, cause I know you and I, I speak to you uh, as you and I would be speaking over a cup of coffee, right. Before we yeah. start the workshops or whatever. Um, okay. Uh, what, here's another question for you then. Okay. I'll, I'll make this one a little bit easier. Okay. Just, okay. just, just a little easier. Uh, not quite so mind bending. I think firms are struggling with transparency. And by the way, the word transparency has a million definitions, right? Communication transparency, promotion transparency, pay transparency, compensation, you name it. Yep. Yeah. What what needs to happen to create a culture of transparency? And, And can it even, does it even exist? Can it even truly be created? Yeah. So my quick answer is yes. So back in, I think, 2016, another one of our next gen classes, which is our leadership program, mm-hmm. asked this, well. they asked this very question. They, they told us as a leadership group, we are growing. We have X number of office spread across the state of Ohio, and we don't know what's going on. There is, there's a lack of transparency in our organization. So they actually created the role of internal communications Mm. inside of RAN Associates. So now that's one piece of it because it goes again, this teeter totter of, we went from not communicating to communicating too much. And so, or communicating in a channel via email too much, right? And so how do we balance that? So I think it can be created, but it needs to be connected at every layer of your organization. So there has to be a cadence either from leadership throughout mm-hmm. and or how are you capturing that feedback that you need to hear? It doesn't matter what your title is or where you are in the organization. How are you capturing that? For us, we do advisory boards. That's one way. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting down the CEO, formerly myself, now the COO and the HR director, sit down with them three times a year, mm-hmm. really just asking for feedback and transparency from them so we can drive change inside the organization. So yes, I think it can happen. It's just figuring out ultimately, how do you iterate the the means of communication throughout? Okay, so last question. Yes. And and this one will not be easy either, Annie, but but, uh, I know that you're up to the challenge. So when I was growing up in the eighties, and working for the companies I worked for, how men and women interacted was very different than the way men and women interact today. Now we've seen the pendulum go, you know, completely. I mean, the way it was when the eighties would never, it just, it, yeah, when I think about it now, I think I, I can't even believe people talk to each other that way. Right. And well, one of my one of my very good friends, who's a labor attorney, Lou Lessig, happens to be listening in on this. I'm sure he has an opinion on that. <laughs> um, 
So have we gone too far? Have we created have we created a work environment where people now are almost afraid to engage? Um, uh, uh, You know, has the pendulum swung too far knowing that what was, what, what it was like in the eighties and the nineties, what was, was just, you know, abysmal. Right. And we, the pendulum has swung. Have we gone too far? So I'm going to, I'm going to take a step back and say, it doesn't matter what we talk about any extreme, any extreme, whether this it's this topic or any other topic, any extreme is not where most of us want to be. Right. We don't want to be on extreme end, but extreme pride lies in the eyes of the beholder to Mm -hmm. some extent. Mm -hmm. So um, has it swung too far? I, I think we're, we're, we've moved in the right direction. And I think what we need to keep doing is asking each other questions. So if you're questioning whether to say something in front of a woman or a man or any otherwise, you probably shouldn't say it, right? We should probably probably keep that to ourselves, but you need to understand the environment you're in and you need to understand that what you think and what your story is, is not that the person you're talking to story in their reality. Mm-hmm. You don't know what their past is. You don't know what their experiences have been. You don't know what their triggers are. So right. we, we all just need to be mindful of that. And we have ways of building relationships outside of quote unquote, swinging the pendulum either direction in any extreme, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. And I, and I, I that, that makes, um, I think that sums it up perfectly for kind of where we're at today, right? I mean, and, and, and your point is so well taken about, you know, it's in the eyes of the beholder, right? I mean, um, it, it just it just is absolutely without fail. That's absolutely true. So Annie, you're a rock star. Oh, thanks, Todd. <laughs> so, so final, final opportunity to all the to all the younger folk out there, uh, even the older folk like me. And I, there's even one guy listening who's even older than me. I won't, I won't uh, come out, of course. Now, uh, to all the, to the younger folk coming into the work world today, it's a complicated, challenging place, right? It is. What, if you were in front of the world right now and you had five or 10 words to say, to the 22-year-olds of the world <laughs> who, are, who, are, who, are, who haven't decided to resign and go to Rome and drink coffee and, <laughs> you know, you know um, yeah. what would you tell them? I saw a picture recently that I think describes this per- perfectly. You're, t- you're 20-something years old. You graduate from college. Everything up to that point has been very linear, yep. right? Point A to B to C to D. Well, in reality, your life and your career are a big squiggly line that are going to go left, right, up, down, backwards, and forwards for the for the rest of your career, and quite frankly, the rest of your life. So, uh, stop thinking it's linear because it's not, and uh, be okay with with all those ups and downs. I think that is. I think that sums it up perfectly. You know, as as my father used to say, life never turns out the way you plan it to turn out. <laughs> And, so true. and, and uh, my college roommate, who I'm still very, very, very close with, from the minute we were in college together, he knew the day he was going to retire. He, like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, wow. and I love him dearly, you know, he and, and he knew 
how long he was going to work and what year he was going to get married and when he was going to have his first kids and grandchildren. And what's so amazing is it's literally, it happened exactly like he planned it. That's impressive. So, yeah, it is very, and I tease him about it all the time. I say, so, you know, so-and-so, when are you retiring? Uh, nine years, four days, three, se- three hours and 12 seconds, you know, but who's counting? Annie, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you're, you, Todd. You're inspiring, you're motivational. I, I wanted you on this because I've worked with you the last couple of years. I think you're a rock star. I think anybody listening in would agree. And uh, I will. I know I'll be seeing you in the fall when I bring my program uh, out to the organization again. And I look forward to chatting with you again. So everybody, thanks for tuning in to this special Toddcast celebrating Women's History Month. Listen, think about the amazing women in your life that you've worked with, you know, pick up the phone and call them and say, thank you. You've you've inspired me. So Annie, this is my thank you card to you. So we will will see you soon and uh, be well. Thank you. Bye-bye now.